Public education matters. Public education matters. Public education matters because every student matters. Public education matters. Public education matters because it is the foundation of our democracy. Public education matters because we are stronger when we speak in one voice. Public education matters. Public education matters. Public education matters. Public education matters. This is Public Education Matters, brought to you by the Ohio Education Association. Welcome back to Public Education Matters. I'm Katie Olmstead, and I'm part of the communications team for the Ohio Education Association and the 120,000 public school teachers, education support professionals, and higher ed faculty members OEA represents across the state. On September 30th, Thousands of those members came together at four regional rallies to celebrate the first ever Public Education Matters Day in Ohio. More on that in a moment. But first, we're taking a deeper dive into something else that brings just about every educator in Ohio together. That is the call for greater mental health supports for students and educators in our public schools. We're looking at a real crisis in Ohio, but initiatives like On Our Sleeves through Nationwide Children's Hospital are also continually offering new and better tools to help educators support the students they care so much about. OEA has been proud to sponsor the Celebrity Softball Classic to support On Our Sleeves for the last three years, but we wanted to learn more about it and how it can help educators around the state. So, we asked Dr. Ariana Howitt to join us for this episode. She's the Executive Clinical Director of On Our Sleeves and is the driving force behind its mission of providing educational resources that break stigmas, increase mental health literacy, and support children's mental health. Dr. Ariana Howitt, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the podcast and talking about such an important topic, especially for all of the educators who are working with children around the state right now. What can you tell me about what you're hearing about? Are the kids all right? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, kids' mental health has been something that we're, we've been worried about, um, even pre-pandemic. Uh, I think a lot of people think about the pandemic and how uh, how things made kids so stressed or sad. Uh, but even before the pandemic, the, the CDC released data that was collected from 2009 to 2019. So for 10 years, we have this data that showed depression was increasing, anxiety was increasing, thoughts of suicide were increasing in children. So we were already worried. And then of course, the pandemic made that worse. And we know that we saw increases in emergency room visits, for things like depression, suicide, eating disorder, substance use. Um, so as you can imagine, that's, of course, impacting the classroom. Uh, we can't learn and, and show up as our best selves unless our mental health is well. So we are hearing from teachers and educators that it's getting in the way of learning and that they often don't know what to do about it. I know it's a problem, but I don't have the training to respond to, to the situation in the class. And that's where On Our Sleeves is a good resource for those educators, right? Right, exactly. So we do um, quite a lot for, for teachers and educators. We have classroom curriculums that vary depending on what the teacher is looking for. We do mostly focus on elementary age children. Uh, but for example, we have a partnership with Go Noodle where we create 
fun videos that talk about emotions and coping tools and relationship building. And then with those videos come a curriculum that both the teacher and the parents can download to kind of implement whatever is being discussed in the video. And so our goal is never to make the teacher a therapist. They have their job already. They can't do someone else's job also. Our goal is really to think upstream. What are the things that we can do with students in the classroom that help build protective factors, that help them be more resilient, that help me as a teacher respond to what I'm seeing? And then if I am worried, how do I reach out to the parent? How do I have that conversation? How do I find help for that child? So our curriculums, like the Go Noodle curriculum, we have some on our website. If, if you go to onoursleeves.org and search educators, you'll find quite a few curriculums on those kind of skill building, uh, protective factors, ways to talk about emotion, ways to take breaks in the class, and they're all free. So teachers can access those right now. Ohio Education Association is a proud supporter of On Our Sleeves. We sponsor the um, summer softball classic to help yes. promote and, and to support this program um, because we know how important it is for our mental health to be treated just like physical health for students. Yes. If if we're not meeting their their needs, they can't learn in our classrooms. How did On Our Sleeves get started? Yeah, that's a great question. So we started in 2018. We'll be celebrating our fifth year in October. And at the time, we really started as a campaign. It was to bring awareness because, again, if we think pre-pandemic days, not a lot of people were talking about children's mental health, uh, whether it's because of the stigma or a lot of people simply thinking kids don't have a reason to be sad or kids don't have a reason to be stressed and kind of dismissing mental health as an adult thing. And so Honor Sleeps was started really to bring awareness, to break stigmas. Um, but then the the pandemic happened and we had to quickly shift to supporting and creating resources. So our current mission is to give free evidence informed resources to every community in the U.S. to help people understand and promote the mental health and wellness of children. So again, we're really thinking upstream. What are those skills? Like you said, exactly like physical health. We know you need to eat your veggies and exercise to be physically healthy. What do you need to do to be mentally healthy? And we're mostly talking to adults. We're talking to the teachers, the parents, the caregivers, coaches, anyone with a child in their life to, to help them feel empowered to support the, the children in their lives. What has the response to this program been like so far? I assume it's just been growing and growing and growing. Yes, so quickly. Um, we're very proud. You know, we started uh, in central Ohio. Our experts, our behavioral health experts are all nationwide children's hospital behavioral health Um but we have a national reach. We've been downloaded in all 50 states. Um, last year, we reached, we reached over 6 million people. So we're really proud that um, while our experts are here, we're able to reach people all over the U.S. and really have that national footprint. What are the challenges of working in the children's mental health space right now? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think one of the things that that is a motivation for me and why I joined on our sleeves as a psychologist is that we see that we talk a lot about the crisis. We're worried about kids, but 
we have to move on from that conversation. We all are aware, okay, kids are not doing well. What next? What do we do about it? And as a psychologist, I know that our field, the mental health field has a lot of the answers. And it's frustrating to me that those answers are staying in academic journals, academic conferences, and it's not making it out to the community. And so that's why we do what we do. We're trying to translate the science, make it accessible, get it out to people, make it seem not scary (laughs) to engage with. um, Because we, again, we do know a lot of the solutions. We just have to start getting them out. And so um, that's kind of the, the narrative we're trying to shift. And then, of course, a huge, huge challenge is the stigma, the willingness for families and and people to engage with the content, um, because a lot still feel like, oh, that's not something for me to worry about with my child or um, not something I want people to know that I'm struggling with. Well, what would you say to the families who are saying, well, it's because we're talking about it so much, like no one was depressed back in my day because... <laughs> But now, now that you bring the word depression into the room, these kids are saying they're depressed and they have no idea. How do you, how do you combat that sort of attitude towards this? Yeah, we hear it all the time. And, you know, it, it it is partially true that once you give someone the language and the words to talk about it, they're going to talk about it more. Um, What we see though, is there are certain behaviors that we are seeing an increase in that that doesn't have to do with whether we're talking about it more, right? So I mentioned the emergency department visits. We are seeing more kids with self-harm behaviors and um, suicidal thoughts, eating disorder, substance use. Those are all outward behaviors. It's not just that we're giving kids the language. They are showing us too that that they're having a hard time. Um, I, I personally love that the younger generation is talking about it more. They seem to have less of a stigma. Um, they share that they go to therapy. I've had kids bring their friends to therapy, which really surprised me. I didn't know what to do at first, like my, my patient walking in with a friend. Um, or they'll tell me, you know, I told my friend that skill you taught me last week, and now we do it together. And so they're so much more open about it. Um, and I think that's wonderful. You know, we, again, we often talk about our, our physical health openly. So why not talk about our mental health in this way? And not to dwell on the crisis, like, like you were mentioning, but what do you think is leading to this increase in, in those, um, ER visits and all of that? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, the Surgeon General, in the end of 2021, declared children's mental health a public health crisis. And he has a report that beautifully outlines all of the factors that impact a child's mental health. And if you think about a child in the middle of a circle, you have their individual characteristics. So their genetics, their personality, their coping ability. But then it goes from there, their family environment, what's going on at home, what's what are family stressors, what are the parent-child relationships? Then you go bigger. What's happening at school? And how are they feeling at school? Do they belong? Do they have friends? How are they treated by the teachers? What's that school system in general? Are they able to learn well? And then you keep going from there. You have community, neighborhoods, um, and it goes all the way up to our public policies, our laws. All of that impacts children. So it's hard to answer because it's not just one thing. Um, it's all of those things. 
and they interact differently for each person. Uh, but we, his call to action was, we all have to take action within the, the family unit, all the way to technology companies, to our policymakers, everyone has a role to play in, in this mental health crisis. And, and for educators, they know, you know, that partnership between the educator and the parent is so important in supporting a student academically. How important is it in supporting them with their mental health as well? Oh gosh, it's so important. You know, kids spend most of their day at school, right? And um, again, their experience within the school and their systems really impacts how they feel. And he has, um, the, the Surgeon General has a whole area about schools and talking about how do you respond to misbehavior, right? What are your rules? Um, because one of the things he calls out is, um, inequitable response based on kids' race and background and ethnicity. So we have to look at that again, making sure that kids feel included. Um, and then there's all this research that shows, for example, that teacher and student relationship can really, really make a difference in a child and how they feel about themselves. And that's what we're really trying to get at with our curriculums at, at on our sleeves. Um, for example, we just released resources on belonging and how the way a teacher interacts with a, with a student can really help them feel like they belong in the classroom. And belonging in the classroom is a huge protective factor to their mental health. Um, even during the pandemic, we found that there was, of course, a lot of uh, negative impacts and outcomes to mental health for kids. But if they felt like they belonged, that was one of the things that led to a kid being okay. Um, so, so teachers have a lot of power. What are some of the things that we need to be doing in our schools right now to help address this crisis? Um, obviously, we've been advocating for more mental health supports in our school, more mental health, more mental health professionals in our school. Um, what do you think is needed? Yeah, I mean, again, it. One of the first things that, that the Surgeon General highlights is that creating that inclusive environment, looking at our systems, our, our disciplinary uh, policies. But then at the teacher level, we're talking about giving them the training that they're that they need and that they're asking for, right? And and again, not not that they need to become therapists, but just knowing how do I talk about emotions with my students? How do I know? how mental health shows up in the classroom. How do I know how to create those protective factors and build skills? And so whether it's the trainings or the curriculums like we provide, it's increasing that access for teachers and, and support to them in, in what they're facing because they're really the front lines a lot of the times when it comes to mental health. Um, and then of course, yes, we want to integrate more mental health professionals into the schools. Um, we want to think about early intervention. And, and so it, it's, again, a whole system and a lot of things that we can do to support kids. Now, I do want to go back to one of the the things, again, what's leading to this crisis? I, I don't want to dwell on it so much, but it is when you're thinking about the timeline of when we've seen this increase, it's hard not to imagine social media has played mm -hmm. a role in in the rise of these issues. Uh, is that something that the research is, is also supporting? Yeah, it's interesting because the research hasn't caught up. You know, it's, it's something new. 
Um, we at this time don't have anything that says outright social media is harmful for kids. It really varies depending on the child and their risk factors and their environment. How are they using social media, right? So it really, really varies. Um, I do appreciate that this past year, both the AAP, so the American Academy of Pediatrics and the Surgeon General did release guidelines. And one of the things the Surgeon General said, which I loved was, we haven't proven that it's harmful. We also haven't proven that it's safe. And that that really clicked for me. I'm like, yeah, that's true. Like we keep saying it's not harmful and we keep moving forward, but wait, is it safe? Why are we allowing kids to do something that we don't know it's safe either? Um, so we definitely know it has impacted children. Um, we definitely know that kids who are at risk are then more at risk if they're exposed to social media, um, social comparison, not doing other activities in real life because they're on social media, bullying, um, exposure to hate language. I mean, you name it, right? There is a lot of risk. There's also the ability to connect and be creative. And, you know, a lot of teens love it for the, the citizenship piece of it, like being able to know what, what are current events and what can I get involved in. And so it really depends on the conversations happening at home, the limits, the boundaries that we're setting and teaching children how to use it safely. The same way we talk about safe driving and drinking and, and different topics like that, we have to start talking about social media in that way. That is Excellent advice there. If you could say one thing to the educators who are sort of on the front lines of, of this crisis, what would you tell them? You know, I, you brought this up earlier. Educators can't do it alone. It takes a village, right? So definitely um, viewing yourself as part of a team in this child's life, working with the parents, working with school counselors, if they're available, school staff, to support the child. One of our curriculums that we created in partnership with an organization called First Book has a whole area that talks to teachers about how do I have a conversation with a parent? What are the things I should say? What are the things I should avoid? Um, so really it's, you're not in it alone. And um, again, really, reminding educators that they do have the ability to change a child's trajectory by building these protective factors. Um, but we have to start early. We don't want to wait until we're worried about a kid. Uh, Dr. Howitt, you've mentioned a few resources already, but are there other resources for educators out there? Yes, absolutely. So I shared Go Noodle. Um, I shared our education curriculums. We also have a listserv. So uh, when you go and download one of our curriculums, you are um, able to sign up for the listserv, or you can go to onoursleeves.org and, and subscribe and click that you're an educator. And so we will send out emails whenever we have a new resource available for teachers. So I mentioned we just released belonging. So our teachers got that email saying, hey, here's how you increase belonging in the classroom. Um, back to school, we'll send conversation starters to get to know your students. So it's really focused on skills and strategies for, for teachers to implement in the class. And it does sort of serve as a reminder that this is an evolving conversation. There will be more to add to this conversation and more resources as we all continue to work together on this. 
Absolutely. We're constantly surveying our community, especially your teachers, trying to understand what they need and what they're seeing in the class. So we are always adding new resources um, in response to, to that experience. Dr. Ariana Hoett, thank you so much. Thank you. As a reminder, the links to the resources Dr. Hoett mentioned and others are in the show notes for this episode. At the end of the day, mental health supports matter because public education matters. It's the thing that unites us and the key to unlocking the full potential of every child without exception. OEA members have dedicated their lives and careers to helping shape their students' lives and opening a world of possibilities for each one. And OEA wanted to say thank you. That's why OEA was so happy to host four rallies on September 30th at the Columbus Zoo, Toledo Zoo, Cleveland Zoo, and the Newport Aquarium to bring thousands of educators and their families together to celebrate the first ever Public Education Matters Day in our state. Listen to what OEA Vice President Jeff Wensing told the crowd at the Columbus celebration about the meaning of the day and what makes this day so meaningful. Let's start this off by if you are a current educator, a member of the Ohio Education Association, if you are an aspiring educator member, basically a, a, an OEA retired member, please stand and let's recognize you. Please stand up. Let's hear it for our So uh, I'm supposed to mention that you know we have some challenges in education, and sometimes it seems like we're under attack, especially from some members of the Senate, like Matt Huffman, who wants universal vouchers and uh, build more private schools. But I want to accentuate more of the positive. So uh, we talk about legislators and our reality in Ohio. Uh, even though that we were were challenged with that situation, we have build relationships on both sides of the aisle, and we were able to get some significant wins for public education in the recent budget. So like for example, uh, we got a continuation of the Fair School Funding Plan. For, for years and years and years, the way we funded schools was unconstitutional when we started to end that. So with uh, one more budget, we will fully implement the Fair School Funding Plan with the next General Assembly. But this current General Assembly passed the implementation and because of the way we advocated for the formula and for it to be funded, for the next two years, we will have an extra $1 billion for our public education. That's something to celebrate. We're able to raise the minimum teacher salary. It's now law to $35,000. We have 747 locals in OEA, and that affects roughly 70 locals. If you can imagine that, that there are 70 locals out there where the starting teacher salary isn't $35,000. That's amazing. Uh, we are going to continue to advocate for our ESP members. Uh, we have a report coming where well, I'm sure there'll be some salary recommendations for our ESP members as well. Also added to the budget, uh, we were able to get, uh, you know, there used to be free and reduced lunch. Well, the kids that are on reduced lunch now get free breakfast and lunch as well. Like we had about another $9 million. So that's a big deal that that uh, hungry kids do not learn as well as well-fed kids, so that's a big deal. Uh, and if we have third grade teachers in the room, we were able to get that retention, that mandatory retention piece 
under the third grade reading guarantee removed. So now you can promote third graders. Doesn't eliminate retention. If the team of educators and parents think that that student needs to be retained, that still exists. But generally, research shows let's promote those kids, let's give them intense intervention and support. We'll catch them up, keep them with their peers. So those are some big wins. Also, a couple more, our brothers and sisters in Youngstown were able to settle their strike for 18 days. They were on a strike. They got a fair contract proving that this takeover, state takeover, takeover of schools does not work. Uh, we're getting our schools out of that. The rain's already out. We got pathways for Youngstown and East Cleveland to get out. And we crushed the no vote on issue one in August, that special election. Uh, our members overwhelmingly voted no. Uh, for us, it was about protecting school funding. And if it comes to a constitutional amendment, we fair legislative maps, if you notice the news uh, lately, that has been in the news as well. So as we uh, navigate our way through the political waters here in Columbus, I mentioned that we have friends on both sides of the aisle, Republicans, Democrats, so much so, a little bit more in the House than we do in the Senate, I have to say. Uh, we were able to get a fabulous procl proclamation from the Ohio House of Representatives that I'd like to read to you at this time. So, uh, again, sponsored by Allison Russo, who's the minority leader in the House. We are pleased to recognize the Ohio Education Association as they observe the 30th of September 2023 as Ohio Public Education Matters Day. And whereas the existence of a strong, effective system of free public education for all children in Ohio is essential to our democratic system of government. Whereas a commitment to quality education requires involvement with and support of educators, parents, students, and the general public, and this General Assembly. Whereas the 1.6 million public school students of our state should be afforded high quality public education, regardless of their race, background, or zip code. And whereas Ohio's public educators and public schools who serve the 1.6 million public school students of our state should be held in high regard, reflecting the value that our state places on public education. And whereas members of the Ohio Education Association from Central, North Central, and Southeastern Ohio on the 30th of September 2023 joined thousands of Ohio Education Association public school educators and their families across the state to celebrate public education in Ohio. Now, therefore, be it resolved that we recognize the 30th of September 2023 as Public Education Matters Day in Ohio and applaud public educators and public schools in Central, North Central, Southeastern Ohio for their efforts to ensure the 1.6 million students of Ohio receive a high quality public education, no matter their race, background, or zip code from a trusted, qualified educator who is committed to helping every child reach their full potential. Thank you, Ohio House of Representatives. So we have representatives from Central over at this table supporting us today, North Central at this table, and Southeastern at this table. Thank you for all the judges and bringing your support of this event. Now you probably know that we have similar events going across the state today at the Cleveland Zoo, uh, at the Toledo Zoo also, and at the uh, Cincinnati area at the Newport Aquarium, which I believe is in Kentucky. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, but we're working on that. Uh, it is our intent to continue having events such as this as we move forward. We're going to continue to talk to our legislators about honoring uh, a day each year to celebrate public education. So this is a day to celebrate you, your students, and the work that you get done in your community to support you. I know we have levy season coming up and school board races, and it's important to get out there and support those in your local school because those community members really do want to support the work that you're doing. You have huge numbers when it comes to popularity and support what you do. It's in the 88 percentile. Sometimes we lose track as a community. All we hear is uh, from people who complain all the time. The people that complain have louder voices. The people that are happy don't like to stand up and say much, but we do a lot of polling. Your approval rating, like I said, is over the 88 percentile off the charts, so don't forget that. So in closing, I just want to thank you one more time for what you do for your students here in this area and all of our educators across Ohio. Have a great day and thank you for being here. Of course, even with Public Education Matters Day behind us, public education matters every single day of the year. And we're keeping the conversation about why public education matters going here on this podcast. New episodes drop every other Thursday, but you can connect with us anytime. Email me at educationmatters at ohea.org or check out OEA's social media pages. We're at OhioEA on Facebook, Instagram, and X. Until next time, stay well. And remember, in Ohio, public education matters.